Okay, so you went through all that depression, but then, so now that you're off the alcohol, you're not on any depression meds or anything, right? No, yeah. I don't use anything except for my God-given breath. And uh, and I say that actually um, because I just finished a yoga course where one of the aspects of yoga training is to work with your breath. It's called pranayama. And uh, pranayama is breath work. And um, I've been practicing breath work, uh, something so simple, you know, and, but offers so much healing. Um, so when you got off the alcohol, um, right away, I mean, cause you, you had quit the meds, then you got off the alcohol. Um, was you really, once you got off the alcohol, was you really going through any depression episodes after that? I'm going to say yes. Um, but it was different because my states of depression were no longer, um, I no longer had pictures of suicide. That wasn't like, I no longer saw that as like my only way out. Um, when I got sober from alcohol, it's funny that you say that your only way out, because that's what connect said last night with his alcoholism that he felt suicide was his only way out. Yes. Well, I firmly believe drifter that the only reason that people, um, think of suicide, fantasize about suicide, have this in their mind as an option, um, and like make attempts at it. The only reason that we get to that space is because we think it is the only way out. Yes. If you had, if you showed me another way, I would have gladly taken it, but I couldn't see another way when I was a teenager, when I was, I couldn't see another way. That was the only time that was the only reason that I stood on the side of the road and pictured myself walking in front of traffic and getting hit by a car and being gone. That was the only reason I thought of that. Because that pain is so deep, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, so when I quit drinking, I did experience periods of depression, but I was aware that these periods, I was aware that I was coming down, that the chemicals in my brain, I was aware that things were shifting. Um, I was aware, like, the loneliness I was feeling, I could make sense of it. Of course I was lonely. My friends that I used to drink with are not around anymore. Of course I'm lonely. Um, you know, I'm a bartender and I don't drink anymore and things aren't making sense. Things aren't lining up. Of course I'm lonely. That made sense to me. Um, and yeah, it was just, there was an awareness. So this is it was manageable now. Your depression yeah, became... Once you got out the alcohol, it became manageable. Very, very manageable. Without um, medication. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I had support. I had support with Sheila. Um, and if I wanted to see a therapist, I could. And um, so I will say that for me, that depression in my teenage years, it was it was made to, to get to that extreme point of suicide ideation because I wasn't sharing it with anyone. I was just weighed down with the guilt and shame and fear and secrets. And I, 
I wasn't sharing it with my parents, my sisters, my friends. I wasn't telling anybody how I really felt. So there was this dishonesty that was half every morning that I woke up, there was dishonesty and I'm lying to myself and the whole world. Of course I was going to feel like shit. Um, so I, it's, I mean, it's a cliche because everyone says this, everyone says, if you're feeling A, B, or C, reach out, reach out, reach out. They always use that word. Um, it's true that reaching out does save your life. It's absolutely true. Um, the difficult thing about that, and if anyone here is listening right now who is suffering with depression um, and you're feeling like reaching out doesn't sound like a thing that's possible for you because that is something that goes on, I believe, in tandem with depression is that we feel, we're feeling isolated and then we're isolating ourselves more. Um, the uh, reaching out, we're like, who, who am I going to reach out to? We're just, it's, it's very like, again, it seems like another mountain I have to climb. It seems like showering. If I can shower, great. But telling somebody how I feel like that was to me, that was a big, after keeping these feelings and thoughts to myself for so many years about my sexual orientation, about just insecurities, just like that whole, like, I'm not good enough. And I don't believe that this world, like, you know, I don't believe I'm meant to be here and in all my happiness. It doesn't, I don't, it, it, something's not adding up. So. And the addiction helps keep you there too. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I'll tell you the first person that I really reached out to um, was my doctor. Um, because I just thought, okay, if I'm going to tell anybody, I'm going to tell a professional. And if she says you're full of shit, nothing's wrong with you. I, I made a promise to myself and it was like, if she says I'm full of shit. There's nothing wrong with me. Then I'll turn around and go home and I'll just keep on going every day and I'll make it through somehow. Um, that was really stupid. Actually, that was not a promise I should have made to myself because if she had said to me, you're full of shit, then my life would be radically different today. Um, luckily, thankfully, again, God intervened certainly. And the words that she spoke to me released me from this prison that I was in. She looked at me and I'm crying in her office because it's the first time I've uttered anything to anybody. It's the first time I'm being real and I let somebody see what was truly going on inside of me. So I, <laughs> I had like something rehearsed in my head about what I was going to say to her. And, um, I got through like maybe two sentences before I had started crying. And then I'm just in her office and I'm just crying. And it's like 20 minutes of me just crying, I think. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I'm trying to answer her, you know, she's professional. She's trying to ask me some questions and I'm trying to answer. And at the end of all of it, like, she just kind of looked at me and she goes, you're sad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sad. <laughs> like that, yes, that is it. You just said it. That's true. I am sad. And it's not, I'm sad today. It's I'm always sad. Right. This is, you know, I'm always sad. Um, but she saw it. She, that just that moment. And I describe this story because what was important is that not that she was my doctor, um, not, you know, none of it's important except for the fact that here was another human being looking at me in my eyes, in my authenticity, where I shared something real 
And she responded back and shared something else that was real. And that moment where she acknowledged you're sad and guess what? Like, it doesn't mean you have to kill yourself. It was just like, you're sad and let's, right? Like you're sad, but, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. You're not alone. It doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean game over, right? Like I'm still here. I'm still in my body. I'm still here. It's not game over. And so you're sad. And I go, okay, uh-huh. Yep. That's true. And she gave me the antidepressants that day and a few small words of encouragement. And then I cried the whole way home on the bus. <laughs> And it was the best day ever because I cried on the bus and I didn't give a shit who was watching me cry on the bus. And I just let it all come out of me because the dam had broke and I was, that was kind of a healing moment. Wasn't it? It was, it was a healing moment. And I took the pills like she recommended and, and they helped me for a time. And then, like I said, I switched over to the booze and the booze helped me too. And everything helps and everything, um, I have a friend who says that we lay out breadcrumbs for ourselves. And so your whole life, like, what if it's you that's leading you? What if you're guiding yourself? What if you left those breadcrumbs for you to pick up? And, you know, each one gets you closer and closer and closer to that center. And so let's, let's talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> everything I see about you, you're always smiling. I mean, the sun is up, your feet are on the ground, your head is in the clouds. Is that how you say it? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're on the other side of all of this, no medication or anything else, and you're thriving in life. That's a huge difference. It's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. And it's every day. It's um, by no means is my life perfect. Um, going back to that post that I wrote about two Saturdays ago where I'm crying on the dining room floor. Um, and, and I got through that and it was, uh, and then I had the best week drifter. I think I had the best week. Ooh. I mean, I say this a lot because in, in sobriety, I say this a lot, but I'm like, this is the best day ever. And then, and then it'll be like a couple of days later. And I'm like, Oh, that's the best day ever. Like there's just, I think I've so even much- seen you say that Tuesdays are my favorite. And then maybe <laughs> yeah. somewhere you'll see Mondays are my favorite. <laughs> right? You got it's favorite true. every day of the week is actually a favorite. You still do have moments that were in that post you, you wrote, you were uh, underneath the table on the kitchen floor. Uh, crying with your dog Molly, mm-hmm. um, swimming with the sharks. You you said that uh, whoever you were talking to punctured your life raft and let you swim with the sharks. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had been a few weeks, and I was uh, I just was denying myself the awareness of some some fear based thoughts that I had, some self doubt just about my direction in life, um, a personal relationship of mine that was really, really important to me. I could no longer see where it was going. And, um, and I was sort of like, just in denial about that and looking through my rose colored glasses instead. Um, and then I really, yeah, I came face to face with some of those thoughts and fears and self doubts. And yeah, that was a day where I thought, you know, in the past, like that would have 
that would have taken me completely underwater and I would have been eaten alive by those sharks. But And you could have stayed down there for weeks. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's the difference is that um, by the end of that evening, I didn't sleep well that night. And Sunday wasn't the greatest day ever. I'm going to say that. But by Monday morning and the rest of that week, I had a glorious, glorious week. It was um, really healthy and healing. And I smiled and laughed and had so much, I was full of so much joy and love. And it's like, so yeah, looking back at that night versus 15 years ago, I've never known, I've never known these highs the way that I do now. Like I said, this yoga course that I took where we practice pranayama, which is breath work, um, yoga alone, when I practice it now, because I found yoga when I was 16 years old. Um, but but it you just go- started recently teaching it though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just got certified as a teacher, which was a dream of mine, probably since I was about 17. Um, I mean, because this is what I'm saying. I mean, for someone teaching yoga, because you yoga people are like, you really, you're in touch with the earth and everything. I mean, you really get all the meditation, everything. You really uh, moved yourself from 10 years ago. I mean, even from 16 to where you are now to where um, when you're talking, you're an authentic to me, you're authentic and uh, an authentic yoga teacher. That's for damn sure. And you've been through it. It's not just that you've got these concepts but you've lived these concepts kind of is what I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you came out of that. I mean, the depression for you before this last episode would have just uh, probably drowned you. And this time you got through it with your dog right there on the floor, mm-hmm. um, grounded <laughs> and, yeah. and you got through it. And then, and then just a few days after that, you had the best week ever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and the that's, difference of sobriety to yeah. me yeah. versus um, stuck in addiction because you don't come out of, you drink more to hide more, to hide more, to hide more and drink more. Exactly. Whatever you do. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that. Um, so obviously sobriety is like the one thing that I've committed myself to. Um, and then there's so much, there's so much else that goes along with that where, like you said, like if I could, if I could use booze and all these other things to hide and to cope with, with the pain that I'm feeling, then, then why can't I use breath work and yoga and meditation and a clean diet and fresh meals that are home cooked? Why can't I use all of these things? Why can't I use nature? Um, like you said, connecting to connecting to the earth, that is um, the connection that I have to the earth now, it's really bringing me back to like my childhood. Like I'll walk around in bare feet and get grounded. And, um, it's, why can't I use all of these things to make myself? Well, that first drink that you wanted to talk about kind of gave you the illusion that you were going to get all these things, huh? Wow. Say that again. The first drink that you ever had, because you want to talk about that first drink, kind of gave you the illusion 
that it was going to give you all these things. Yeah, I'm nodding my head. Um, that first drink was definitely like, it felt like a promise. And I was self-aware enough that I, yeah, that first drink was, it was, it was like, this holds the answer. This is, this holds the answer to your suffering, you know, which is so ass backwards. And, and that's not my fault going back to the addict. It's not your fault. This is a, you know, this is a global problem that we have. Um, and yes, it's, you know, in your family in your society, it's pushed on us all the time. There's advertisements telling you to drink. Like it's every Netflix show that I put on and there's women drinking wine in every scene makes me like, Oh, it makes me sick. Um, but here you were with all the depression and everything else. And all of a sudden you have a release and it, it was probably, I'm sure it was like a magic. It was my magic moment when I was, you know, what, 12 or 13 years old. It was my magic moment back then. And I'm sure it had to have been yours. And that's, you know, that was your magic pill. Yeah. So that first drink, uh, you kind of, what did that feel like? Where did it take you? You're looking at it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I know. I, in that moment, in that moment. Well, in that moment, it was, an, it was not, there was not a significance of that first drink. It was just, this is what we do. Um, my last name is McFadden. So it was like, this is what McFadden's do, or this is what high school kids do. This is what it's just, it's programmed into you. This is what you do to, and whether it's alcohol, drugs, television, whatever it is, society, we've created this society to be a place where we need some kind of coping mechanism to get us through. And what kind of life is that? Well, especially with alcohol though, because they spend billions of dollars a year to create this illusion that this is how you fix everything. Yeah. I mean, you're better at sports, you're better lover, you're better talker, you're better everything. If it's all a lie. Yeah, it's all a lie. Um, there's other things, like I said, that I will argue are, it's, it's just a reflection of us, right? Um, so I chose alcohol um, and then further, you know, I had other issues too, other things that I used to escape, whether it was a TV show. When I was really young, actually, I, I escaped through books. I read books and I watched movies and I, um, I read a lot. I read a lot. And people would say, oh, that's great that you reading this book and you know, whatever. Um, it's really, and they had cool no that idea that you were escaping. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I did either. It was like, you know, yeah, I read books. They were entertaining stories, but there was a part of me that um, our fam my family dynamic um, was something occasionally I needed to escape from. And reading was, reading was a good way to do that. So there's, there's varying scales. There's reading a book and then there's doing heroin and there's, you know, there's so many things that we choose, but at the end of the day, anything that you give away your power to 
now has power over you. Do I want to live that way? No, that's, that's my answer today. And for the rest of my days, it's just, I don't want to give my power away to something outside of me when I know the power is within me. Um, and that's what I read somewhere that you wrote. It's uh, how you flex your power um, over that, over the voice that gives you knowing that you can flex your power over the voice. That is badass to me because to me, I don't know if you know anything about me. The voice is my number one thing that I like to talk about because to me, the voice is the number one trap. It's the one that's going to sit there and tell you, Oh, you can moderate or here you feel bad. This will fix you. Oh, here you feel good. Have some more fun. And that voice to me is is the number one enemy to all of us. And I read in one of your things where you were talking about how you flex your power. Do you remember writing that? I don't remember writing that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's your words. That you flex your power over the voice. I'm like, boom, cool. because I talk about that all the time and it's badass. And then you also talk about that we're our architects of our own reality. Yes. You remember yep. writing that? I do. Yeah. So you you talk about a lot of cool things. And even like that post where you got down into your soul with uh, Molly um, just recently. So, yeah. I mean, here you are. You've done all these different things in your sobriety. And you're, you're still growing every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You and nailed it. You haven't reached some magical level where... All no, of a sudden, there's no end. You're all, we're, I'm always healing. I'm always growing and pacing myself and enjoying that process and just being present with whatever is in front of you at the moment. I think, which that was just is, puppies. Yep. <laughs> recently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Eight puppies. You just, eight puppies. You, we were going to do this prior to this, but you needed to focus on the puppies. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Well, we'll just wait till the puppies are gone. <laughs> you know? I can't believe that I thought for a second that I could do a Zoom call with you and do this interview with eight puppies around. Like, I, I really thought that that was going to be possible. And then I had this week where it was me and taking care of the eight puppies and Molly. And I committed to it. It was a paying job. Um, it was my mom and her partner, their dog. Molly is their dog. Uh, she's kind of mine too, but anyways, yeah, that experience was incredible and um, totally so like just the you're learning thing. how to be in the moment with yeah. all of your moments. Yeah, Drifter, I think that for me, like connecting with animals and kids, animals and kids have really given me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And if you pay attention and if you are aware, then those beings can give you a sneak peek into the present moment because they always are living in the present moment. They're very pure that way. Um, and and it, that helps me a lot. I like to see my reflection in children and in animals and, and in nature. I like to sit under a tree and look at the leaves. And it's just, there's so many things that that booze promised me that did not deliver and that I'm now finding and through sobriety. Yeah. Which is to me is badass. That's why I love doing these, these interviews 
because there's such a big difference. Just like with Connect last night, he went from death to life now. He's living, he's, he's in the present, he's a better father, he's a better friend, he's a better, he even gets along with his ex-wife. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? wow. I mean, there's <laughs> sobriety brings so many gifts to us. And then anybody that follows you, and like with you doing all of the, the Zooms and connecting with all of these people, I mean, that's had to have been a big change for you too. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier how I hosted a few of those and um, not just a few, you've done a lot of them, haven't you? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe more than a few. I yeah. had, I did Tuesday nights in, uh, I think it was April every Tuesday. And then, yeah, I've stepped in here and there. Uh, my next hosting gig will be in August uh, with Kristen. She's going to host a couple Saturdays. I'm going to host the other ones. And yeah, that even doing that was like, I don't know. I always say that sobriety um, it brought me so much, right? Like at first it brought me this community of beautiful people. And now if you offered me a drink, like I would say no, because I don't want it and I don't need it. And I, that's not, there's no question anymore. It's like, it, you know, it's such a immediate thing. Um, but I always joke that I couldn't even say yes to a drink if I wanted to, because then I wouldn't be part of this beautiful community that are like my friends, my, I call them my family. Like it's my sober family, my brothers and sisters on this path. And if I went back to drinking, then it's, then I lose all of them. Like it's not, it's, there's no, there's no choice. Well, anymore. You, right. Because you see the destruction see the on this side and the value on this side. Yeah. One way is yeah. destruction. There's just no way around it. It's yeah. death and destruction. And this way is life and healing and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you don't have to wake up with all that darkness, shame, guilt, remorse that yeah. you would wake up that would paralyze you before. Yeah. And the things that you couldn't talk about before you can talk about. And then like uh, uh, Brene Brown talks about once you talk about this stuff, you can't live in the light. Shame and guilt, not, it, it exposes yes. it and it dies. Yeah. yeah, she does talk about that. It's really, yeah, yeah. Then you I have your that. Wednesday whimsicals, don't you? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Those are so much fun. <laughs> so I, I know it's summer where you live. Well, tell us everybody about that. Then I'll ask you this question. Tell everybody okay. about what you do when, when okay. Wednesday. So one of my favorite activities is rollerblading. Um, I rollerbladed even while I was in active addiction. It was like, like I said, I, I still worked out when I was drinking. Um, but it's rollerblading has been a total like lifeline for me. I've put on those wheels and I've rollerbladed kilometers and kilometers and worked through stuff and cried and, and had intimate moments with myself on my rollerblades. Um, so they're pretty awesome. That's, uh, anybody that knows me knows that I rollerblade and they all want to come with me too. <laughs> so, but so I don't bring them along. Well, it's funny because I actually, <laughs> I've actually rollerbladed with very few people in my, in my life, like physically beside me. Like it's, it's a pretty, 
intense and I go fast and it's a very like this is Amy time like I'm on my rollerblades like this is me um so a lot of people will say let's go rollerblading together and I kind of go yeah maybe um but I do have so much fun on them that I did want to share and for a couple of years now I thought I would do videos and and share um whatever wanted to come out of my mouth whether it was about like working out or or about spirituality or now about sobriety and it's like whatever it was I did want to share it because I do feel I get those highs when I'm on my rollerblades um so this year I put on my rollerblades and did a short video on a Wednesday and it was just uh a two-minute message of like some thought that came to some inspiration that came to my mind that I wanted to deliver to people and just say hi to my sober friends just say hello and just kind of uh well, you show got lost that. in your own neighborhood one day right yep <laughs> <laughs> I'm I've moved I've moved many times <clears throat> excuse me I've moved many times in the last two years and so I'm I've been in a new place since June 1st and yeah, this neighborhood's confusing. <laughs> so I put my rollerblades on and I'm like, I don't really know where I'm going, but um, yeah, there's like beautiful messages that I like to share that come through me. And I'm always happy when I'm on my rollerblades. So I'll just do a video and I call it Amy's weekly Wednesday whimsical wisdom on wheels. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the title is a little bit long. We might shorten that in the coming days. But so what do you do? Put that on your Instagram page? Actually, I was sharing it over Telegram and over WhatsApp. Um, and I did not share it over Instagram, but that's an idea. Yeah, I was thinking maybe you'll let us put it on our, our website. Oh, yeah, I will totally let you do that. Yeah, we could like you could. But what happens when it snows? Are you going to have whimsical days on um skis cross-country skis because you guys are going to get snow yeah it happens every winter <laughs> <laughs> yeah not in arizona it doesn't <laughs> i live fairly i live fairly south um like i'm pretty close to the u.s border and uh so that doesn't want- help you <laughs> <laughs> Because you're over towards the East Coast, right? No, I'm not too far east. Oh, you're not? Where are you at? I'm Ontario. So I'm like close to um, Windsor and like. Okay, put that like if you were between Washington and New York, where would that be? Oh, well, I'm I'm closer to New York. That's what that, that would be close. Yeah, it gets cold over there. It does. And you guys get snow. But Drifter, last year, I was rollerblading in November. What were you doing in December and January? (laughs) 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 I want to build our resources page on the website to have things like that. Whimsical Wednesdays or just videos where people can go and get whatever resources that they want to find. And that would be cool to have that on there. Because I want to build our resources page with the 12 steps, um, Annie, Grace, Craig, Beck, uh, whatever way you want to get sober, I want that in our website. 
because yeah. it doesn't matter which way we get sober. We just got to get sober, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's all that matters. And this has really been a cool interview. And it's really been cool getting to know you. And your life has really changed in the last 22 months. It has. It? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost I, you're like another person that's gone from death to life kind of scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that that is not a stretch to say that for sure. <laughs> like the only thing that I know how to do well, Amy, is not drink because I, I, I don't let that voice. And it's, to me, it's all about the voice. You know what I wanted to say about that is that, um, yeah, when you were speaking, it's like, we have to know that that voice is not the highest version of you. It's like, because if that voice is asking you or telling you to pick up a drink, like that's your first sign. Like, okay, well that, that voice isn't the truest version of me. Cause the truest version of me wants the best for me. And I know that that's not the best for me. And so there's right. If you just give yourself even those few seconds or a minute to go, Oh, and to make that connection of if there's a voice speaking to me, then that means it's not me. Like it's, you know, I can be the witness. This is what I do nowadays in my life. I try to be the witness or the observer. And so in each moment I can respond accordingly, whether it's a conversation with a friend or it's a temptation, like I can have that moment where I go, okay, is that a voice that's speaking the truth of me? Or is that some, like, do I want to listen to it? Um, and when I share my messages on my rollerblades, I do it because on my rollerblades, like I said, like I've reached this kind of euphoria, the endorphins are going and, and I have so much joy when I'm on them. Like I said, like those rollerblades have taken me from the depths of my despair into really beautiful times. Um, and usually and you're like laughing in a joyful manner when you're sharing too, like you're really happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I can't tell you how, right. Yeah. Happiness come, it builds on, on itself. Like you start to laugh and then it becomes, it comes out of you like waterfalls. It comes out. But it's warm. organic, huh? It's not like, yeah, you don't have to force anything. It's just, it's there. And look, it's there just like the depression was there. Yes. Um, and there's, you don't have to live in that depression. You can live where you're at now. Correct. Correct. And, and it takes, right. It takes the effort to get there. Um, I want to say that on that emotional scale, we were talking about with the shame, the guilt, the fear on the bottom. So in my mind, it kind of goes, it moves up and it moves up into like anger and jealousy. And then at some point there's a neutral, and if you can find that space of neutral, and if you're taking care to be, even if you're just a little bit better to your body and to your mind. So say you drink um, tons of pop or you're eating ice cream and donuts. Like if I just have a little bit less of that stuff where there's kind of a little bit less sugar, or if I'm watching a little bit less TV, or if I'm on my phone a little bit less, and I decide to take a walk into nature a little bit more, you know, just those small shifts can bring you into that space of neutral. And once I'm there in neutral, then it's easier to move up or move down. But at least I have a choice now. Because right. when you're in shame and guilt and fear, you don't have a choice. The choice is already made for you. Like you're fucked. <laughs> right, you are. Right? You're fucked. And, and luckily, 
we're in this space now in our, in our collective reality where it's easier and easier to be in that neutral space. And if you're lucky, you're going to meet somebody like me, or you're going to see my video on Telegram, or you're going to see someone else's video and you're going to be inspired. You're going to be uplifted, or you're going to have a moment with a child or an animal or, or a meditation under the tree. And it just is going to change something for you. And suddenly you shifted from neutral into a higher expression. You've shifted into compassion and forgiveness for yourself. You shift into excitement and creativity and creating and making and believing and dreaming. And then you shift further and further and further. And suddenly you're hitting these points of joy and love, which I believe is the highest expression that I was brought here on earth to deliver. I believe that love and joy, like these, this is my birthright. My birthright, it does not involve shame and guilt and fear. Where 15 years ago, I thought that's my birthright. That's what I was put here for. No, 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 no. I have learned. My birthright is joy and love and being in that high vibrational space as often and as frequently as is organic to me. And I hope more people pursue their sobriety and that happiness like you have at your age too. Yeah. Because that's what I think is so badass. All you youngsters coming out here pursuing this. I mean, Todd is 34. Molly's 32. You're 32. My son's 32. My other son's 29. And what a bunch of freaking warriors. Yeah. I love it when you call me a youngster because I'll tell you, I feel like I'm 100. But you're a wise soul. Right? And you've been through a lot. Yeah. So... I mean, you could be my kids. So all of you guys are youngsters to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm old as dirt. So no, I'd love, you're not, but that's, uh, and okay. So that's the other thing is that, and we're, I know we've been talking for a long time, but it's fine. Um, we're sober I, town. We can talk as long as we want. Perfect. So when I was speaking, when we first got on, I was talking about all these people that were seeing me and telling me I was glowing. That was when it became right. It was, there was, it was a clearer message for me that, oh my gosh, this is really like, it's not, it's not magic. It's hard work. It's every day. It's pledging your allegiance. It's having your support system. It's calling, it's reaching out for help, even when that's the last thing you want to do and you'd rather hide under the covers. It's hard work and it's not magic, but at the same time, it, I do find that there is magic that is weaved throughout my life now, my existence. Um, but you're you're pursuing even on days that you don't feel like pursuing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like, let me tell you, the last my last week has been. I've just been really tired. I've just been really a lot of work. My work is working me hard. The sleep hasn't been the best. And last night I was really tired, even before getting up with. Connect and doing his interview, mm-hmm. um, I just felt like emotionally drained. And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's what's Amy gonna have for me, man? Because this girl's <laughs> sharp. She's not, uh, she wants to talk more than just her story. And I'm like, I have no idea where this is gonna go. And I was just so wore out. But right away, once we got into this and we started talking, I just yeah. got renewed. And I mean, hell, we've been here for a good three hours now have we? Um, I, we have and 
we're almost going to beat Lilo's ass in a minute. And, <laughs> but it renews me. If I would have said, if I would have said, you know what, I'm just too tired. I can't do it. I would have missed out on this great moment of meeting you and talking with you. And last night with the same with connect. Yeah. And also that we're spreading a message of awareness that there's something better on the other end of addiction, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you have to pursue it. Like you're talking about. Yeah. It's highly important. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I only have five minutes left and then I have to go do some more puppy sitting. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but we're reaching that Lilo moment anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, just when you're talking about um, my age and your age and um, reflecting on this journey in sobriety, it really has taken like years off where I've looked in the mirror and gone, oh, wow, I look younger than I did six months ago. It's that's that's one of the like I said, that's the magic. It's it doesn't make any sense. Biologically, I am aging just the same. But I'll tell you right now that I look younger today than I did when I was 27. Easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Go yeah. on to our website and see or any website and see before and afters. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah, there's some before and afters. Uh, we got dad's life on there. Have you seen dad's life before and after? Oh, I don't know if I have. Oh, you should go there and look. I mean, this guy, I mean, he knocked out 20 years off his life just by getting wow. sober. Yeah, amazing. I love Amy, Dan too. He's great. Thank you very much for <clears throat> everything that you do on the IAS, for all your whimsical Wednesdays, for yoga, for... I mean, you're just one of those people on IAS that's just, you're a bright light. I mean, you are definitely a lighthouse to a lot of people. And then even when I mentioned that I was going to be meeting with you this morning, everybody was like, oh my gosh, tell her, I, I can't even tell you how many people said that this morning. Uh, wow. And they just love you. Uh, and they love your heart and your spirit. Oh, that makes me want to cry. <laughs> well, and that is a gift of sobriety. You know, all day long I go through and I count the gifts of sobriety. I do it every day. I acknowledge what, because I know the difference between walking as a dead man and life. And this is life. I can't wait to see, you know, 20 years down the road, where the hell you're going to be. Because I mean, at such a young age, you, you've really come a long ways and there's just so many lives that you can help save, you know? Yeah. That's so beautiful to hear. Um, Especially like, thank you for just saying that because to my ears right now, that makes me, like I said, I, it touches me. It makes me feel really good. And I look forward to the next 20 years. That is a, that's different. <laughs> and when you can give back. That's yes. huge. Yeah. And everybody, she's glowing right now. You are really, you're like a bright star right now. So are you. Oh my uh, gosh. Thank you very much. And everybody remember uh, SilvertownPodcast.com to go for resources. And we're building that. And hopefully we get whimsical, whimsical Wednesdays in there too. I will definitely do my best to send you tomorrow. Tomorrow's Wednesday. I'm going to do a video tomorrow and I'll, we'll, we'll work it out. And, and I got I the last there. Wednesdays and I'll start, uh, I'll get that page going and we'll get them up in the resources. Great. This was such a privilege. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's my privilege. And thank you for sharing. And 
you know, I hope somebody gets some insight from, from these episodes. Thank you. Yeah, me too. If anyone wants, uh, you know, to reach out and, uh, I am like drifter said, I am on the app as Amy level under 694 days sobriety today. And I post pretty frequently. Um, I check in and I do give out personal information because it's a team effort and, uh, you know, so 694 days. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Boom. That's huge. Yeah. Lavelle. Love Shovel. Love. Lovel. Shovel. Lovel. Emphasis on the love. Emphasis on the love. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.